Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 542. God, that's a lot of episodes. I'm joined today by comedian Bilal Zaffer, who I adore. I'm a big fan of him as a streamer. I'm a big fan of him as a comedian. I'm a big fan of him as a podcaster. And we get into all of that. So I've caught Bilal. I caught his Fringe show this year. Um, I've been on his fantastic podcast, Got a Problem Mate, and I've watched loads of his Twitch streams. So um, yeah, I was delighted to sit down and have a good chat with Bilal. Thank you for everyone who's been tuning in of late. Last week's episode with comedian Josh Weller has gone down a treat. Um, Emerald Fennell the week before. It's a good run. It's a good run. And I've got two for you this week. On Friday, I've got a bonus episode that's a really good film nerd out but um we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that obviously we're brought to you by speech development records.com that's where you can buy my merch everything is still reduced or everything we could afford to reduce is still reduced in our kind of cost of living reductions so fill your boots there christmas is coming someone might want a snood with my beard on like that's a real thing the best gloves ever made we've got beanies we've got scarves we've got all the good stuff so um, head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and, you know, you get to support the podcast and get some cool stuff at the same time. Um, you can also support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash scroobiuspip and you can support for like a dollar a month or whatever it is and that that really helps out. And the other place that you can head to is patreon.com forward slash scroobiuspip. Yo, that's completely free and you can c- come and watch me hang out and get up to all sorts of nonsense over there if you're a fan of the music days there's a whole s- section on there that you can watch at any point of music based streams if you go to v- videos and collections there's a music section there that's got live gigs all sorts of good stuff and that's all free yeah let's get on with the podcast i really enjoyed this chat me and Bilal have only really chatted a few times like directly so it was good to have a good hour to really to get into it so um yeah check this out this is episode 542 of the distraction pieces podcast with Bilal Zaffa. this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction this piece of fiction is the intro to distraction and there we go. We are recording. Um, I'm joined today by Bilal Zafar. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How was your weekend? What have you been up to? Tell me stuff. Went yesterday for a walk in Richmond. Nice. I know. It's fancy around there, right? It really is. It's far from where I live. It's where my father-in-law lives. I remember I had an, an audition out that way once. Yeah. And I walked to the audition in a big stressed rush. Yeah. And then I enjoyed the audition, so I walked back, and Richmond was different on the way there to on the yeah. way back. On the way there, it was like, oh, it's all posh, and it feels all uptight, and I don't like yeah. it. And then on the way back, I was like, ah, what a beautiful representation of England. Yeah. <laughs> How British. Yeah. yeah, it is weird. Like, it is different. I'm from East London, and it is, when you walk around somewhere posh, it, you do feel it, don't you? Mm. Like, mm. we kept eavesdropping into people's conversations. Uh, a couple walked past us, and the, the lady was saying... If you can only have two properties in the world and one of them you had to live in, 
for most of the year. And I was like, wow, my conversations aren't like that. Yeah. My hypothetical things aren't like that. I've always summed it up as I'm far more comfortable in places I feel like there's a good chance I'll get kicked in than a good chance I'll get kicked out. And and Richmond and that kind of place, it always feels as if someone's about to tap you on the shoulder and go, oh, oh, oh sorry, you're not meant to be here. This is this is yeah. our conversation. This yeah, is our yeah. little world. Chiswick as well. Yeah. People don't say thank you if you get out of their way. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's absolute, absolute madness. I'll normally, obviously, ap- apologise as I get out of someone's way. Because mm-hmm. um, that's just that's the way it's meant to be, right? Yeah, that's what I think. I like mm-hmm. it. I like it. Um, are you gigging much at the moment? A bit. So basically, I made a decision. So I got married this year. Or at your fringe show, you spoke a little bit about your changing relationship with stand-up and things like that. I did. So, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. You got married this year. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, it's just different now because like even being away for a month doing the fringe felt kind of weird. She visited for a week, but even then it just felt kind of bad to be away for that long Mm. doing this ridiculous festival. And then like gigging, like a lot of the gigs I get booked for are like in the middle of nowhere. I don't even drive. So getting there can be really difficult. So now I'm being a lot more picky. Yeah about what I'm doing and I'm trying to do more like stuff on Twitch. Yeah. Because it's it's hard, man. Like, I, so basically I had, I started doing Twitch in lockdown like a lot of people. It went massive, really well for me, which was amazing. And then when live comedy came back, I was really excited to do that. So I streamed less, but then obviously a lot less people watch Twitch now mm-hmm. to, compared to lockdown, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the less you stream as well, the less people keep coming back. You know, that's how yeah. it is. So that all went down. And I just, I was just knackered all the time. Like trying to do streaming and stand up is really, because you don't realize how tiring streaming is. Mm-hmm. I guess people that don't do it, it looks easy, but it does actually take it out. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I'm kind of yeah. the most irregular streamer at the moment, but it's yeah. been essential for me because I loved it when I was streaming three, four, five times a week. I really enjoyed it. Mm. But, but it wasn't until I had to have a break from that that I was like, oh, that was a lot. And I was doing it a lot because I felt a pressure to, because as you say, if you stop for a bit, people stop, you know, your numbers go down, therefore your income goes down. And so on and so forth, I was like, no, man. Yeah, so trying to find the balance is tricky because I do still love stand-up, but yeah, it's got it's about finding the balance. It's weird, man. Like, So I've been doing comedy for about 10 years since mm-hmm. I did my first like open mic thing. And this is like the least enthusiastic I felt about it. The Edinburgh Fringe run was like fine, but that was it. It was just fine. And it's like so much commitment. Or it's all changed a lot, hasn't it? And this is perfect because yeah. there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about because mm-hmm. I'm a fan of your streams. I'm a fan of your podcast. I'm a fan of your stand-up. Um, yeah. Undecided on your acting as I have, I genuinely, <laughs> I haven't called much. It's not that good. I was genuinely one of the few people who, who loved Last Christmas. Um, oh, right. like, <laughs> I had people accusing me of being paid to like it because I had, I had Paul Feige on and, or Feige, oh, I have no idea how to say his name. And I yeah. genuinely loved it. I watched it in like October at a preview screening yeah. and I came out oh. beaming, had the best time. But I didn't know you then, so I can't particularly no. remember your, 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 your I role. I saw you somewhere. I just remembered, because I didn't know you at the time. Yeah. But weirdly, you went to a screening of Sick of It, which is the Carl Pilkinson sitcom. Yeah, yeah. Because I was in that. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in the episode you saw. Amazing. And so I saw I you love that as well. You see, it turns out I am a fan of you, of, of your yeah, acting. seen all my stuff. But you're so naturalistic. You've just blended in and it's... Yeah, you don't see me. No, I, I love it. 
<laughs> but yeah, so I'm a fan of loads of the things that you do. And I want to kind yeah. of talk about all of them. And we're starting, it seems, naturally on stand-up because yeah. it is an interesting one because like, I love attending The Fringe mm-hmm. as a fan, but I've always talked to comedians about how tough The Fringe is. And this yeah. past year, I re- I don't think I bumped into anyone who didn't talk about how they might knock it on the head now, and they because the yeah. prices have gone up s- so yeah. much, and it's just become working class people have been have been priced out of it essentially. Absolutely. So, so how was the fringe for you this year though? Because your shows seem to go down well. So <laughs> it's that type <laughs> thing of having a successful show, but not yeah. necessarily being in love with the thing you're there for, I guess. It's hard because there's so many things going on. Like, the thing about the festival is, like, <clears throat> as soon as you get there, as soon as you just move into your flat for the month, you see, like, the most giant billboards that people have that they've paid thousands for sometimes. Mm. And, you know, you don't have any of that. And then you even see that people have got, like, reviews from, like, a five-star review from, like, The Times or whatever on, like, day two. Mm. Because what's actually happened is they had a preview reviewed, but it looks right. like, they, you yeah, know... yeah, yeah. And then, like, for me, it's like I didn't have, you know, I didn't don't have a review out for at least a week. And, like, every day feels so long up there. So it's like all those things are in your mind. And it's like, it's terrible for jealousy, mm-hmm. that festival. Like, it's set up like that. So there's all of that going on. And then, I don't know, like, I was very proud of the show. And then I guess the, the problem is, right, there's, sorry, a cat just walked in front. There's, um... <laughs> The, I wish we were awards. putting out video now because because yeah. you tried tried not to break your flow as a cat just walks straight in front of the camera yeah. over your keyboard. She always does that. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you get oh yeah, the no, jealousy the and the awards. Yeah, yeah. So there's these awards at Edinburgh, right? If people don't know, you have the best newcomer awards, nominations, and awards. If you get nominated, that's as big as winning. That's a mm. huge deal. Best newcomer and best show. And I got the newcomer nomination in 2016. Mm-hmm. And so I had that kind of buzz around me a lot then. And that's always in your mind. That's always in the back of your mind. Like, oh, maybe I'll get a best show thing. Like every comedian feels that even if they pretend they don't care, right? So there's that. Like I didn't have any awards buzz this time. I didn't get any of the big broadsheets really uh, reviewing me. I still had, I mean, it was fine. I sold enough tickets. I made money and everything. But when you're committing a whole month to it and you work, you know, pretty much all year putting this thing together and then when it doesn't change your life, it feels kind of bad, which is, I guess that's how it is. I think it's all so hard to gauge and predict though. And this is speaking from the outside, but as just someone who goes up there, I'm always surprised which shows are rammed or I can't get tickets for or mm. or, or whatever else. It's a beautiful thing. Our mutual friend Rob Alton yeah. this year, I've been to see Rob in like a basement with 10 people. And, th- and this year I'm going in and the staff are doing the usual move all the way to the end of the bench because it's going to be packed. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it was fucking r- rammed in there. But he wasn't someone I saw loads of, mm. you know, marketing for or loads of, of reviews and things. So it's so hit and miss on what on how things are going to go. And It's random. And as a, as a punter, that disturbs me because I'm really organised and I like to know exactly mm. who I'm going to get to see how busy it's going to be, all this kind of thing. A little bit of social anxiety there. But as a yeah. as the person actually putting on the event, it's it's a nightmare. And then I said, that that was always a stress, whereas now the financial element is ramped right up because your accommodation yeah. and everything is putting you in a, a massive hole from the start, right? It's horrible, man. It's horrible. Because even though, like, I'm really lucky, because this was my fifth show, so, like, 
I know my way around the festival a bit. Like I can make money at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, still get, I've still not been paid the whole amount, by the way. Right. <laughs> Fringe was in August. Amazing. Yeah. But then even putting the money up front is hard. You know, like, yeah, like accommodation, you obviously yeah. have to pay for before before you go up. You can't, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's like, I paid like nearly a couple of grand yeah. for my accommodation for the month. And it wasn't great. Yeah. You know. Were you sharing or were you no. on your own? No. I was in, it was like a studio apartment in like these student. Yeah. There's loads of the student accommodation, accommodation yeah. isn't there? That goes cr- yeah. cr- crazy at that time of year. Oh, they make so much money. And I stayed in the last, the same place last year. And they put it up by three hundred pounds, mm. and they don't even like tell you why or apologise. That's no. just what it is. Well, that's like, what I was hearing everywhere know. that everything has just been the price is just ramped up compared to last year, even let alone mm-hmm. over like five years or whatever else. It's terrible, man. And I only did my first one in twenty sixteen, mm. and like I can see the change massively. You know, there's people that have been doing it since the nineties or whatever, and it's just changed that much that quick. And yeah, I mean, I don't know when I'll go back. To be honest, how how is that? Because just to give a little weird story here, when I wrote my first script, I had this TV show idea and I'd heard that the writing industry and TV industry and all that is really slow. I wrote my first pilot episode and within a week of finishing it, it had been optioned by Warp, who are like one of my favourite production companies. And I was like, this is going to be so easy. Um, <laughs> it then never got made and so on and so forth. So that first year you got the best newcomer, you got all this hype. Going back even the next year, you must have thought, yeah, man, Ooh. here we fucking are. Here we yeah. go. But, but then the, the year, year after terrible. that, and then the, you're right. Yeah, so exactly. It's that weird thing of when yeah. you want to get that hype, but then that hype isn't always what you think it's going to be anyway. No, it's so fake all of it as well. Yeah. Man, like the amount of, I mean, I'm sure, you, maybe, I'm guessing you've experienced this as well, but like the amount of people that want to be your friend mm. when you're doing well, mm-hmm. who just disappear, who just stop replying yeah, when you're yeah, not yeah, as yeah. popular, it's absolutely mad. Yeah. This industry. Yeah. You get some really strange people, all of that, man. Like the second year I did my, so the second fringe I did, went straight back 2017. All these reviewers said, can't wait to see what he does next. And I think I got like two reviews the whole month. Wow. And one of them, <laughs> one of them came out after the fringe had ended. Five star came out after. And also, I th- all right. I was really stressed that festival, uh, partly because of the review stuff. I just felt really like it had all fallen away, you know. And I got a cold and I didn't rest. I just Mm. kept like going out late, chatting to people and all of that, all the stuff you think you're meant to do. And I just kept getting more and more unwell. I got back to London, to King's Cross, and I realized I have a massive suitcase. I realized I couldn't really walk. I was like feeling that bad. So I got a cab all the way home. Then I went to the doctor and I had pneumonia. Oh, my word. So I was in a hospital bed when I got the five-star review. That's insane. I know. The first year you get tons of five stars, best newcomer. The Mm. second year you get two reviews and pneumonia. Nearly die. (laughs) Well, I didn't really, but yeah, really bad. Like I had to be in hospital for a week. That's rough. That's rough. Ridiculous, isn't it? What year was the one, because I've, obviously I came to your, your show this year, but I also watched the yeah. one you've got on YouTube. I really enjoyed that. That was the 2016 that one. Was that the was the nominated one. 16 yeah. one. And I know you've talked about it in your in your in that show and a million times, yeah. but can you kind of explain your mm-hmm. Twitter handle or or what happened on the back sure. of your, your, your Twitter handle? Because me and, and B. Dolan talk all the time how you write something that's political in some way, and it's the mm-hmm. one thing you create that you hope isn't isn't timeless. 
And sadly, it normally <laughs> yeah. ends up being the timeless thing. And this That's is funny. a thing that kind of happened to you that you'd hope it wouldn't feel relevant now, but it kind of, mm. with the way Twitter and X is, it feels more more likely and relevant than ever. So yeah, can yeah, you yeah. explain that a little bit? So it was me and my brother like to, uh, I guess, we've got quite silly humor, right? And like, we even used to do stuff where we, there used to be like a BNP chat room. <laughs> Amazing. And we used to go on there and talk and, and you could Amazing. pick your name. And I remember once we went on as Biggie and Tupac. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's our kind of thing. You know, we, we're just quite silly. And he had a Twitter account, which was kind of anonymous. It was just a football thing he was doing. So you don't see his name or anything. And there was this hashtag, which was boycott Muslim businesses that was getting a lot of attention. That was a little, you know, racist plan, whatever. <laughs> and because um, my Twitter handle is Zaffa Cakes, just because it sounds a bit like Jaffa Cakes, mm-hmm. my brother did a tweet from from that account, where, from his football account, where he said like, oh, everyone, boycott Muslim businesses, boycott Zaffa Cakes. It's a cake shop in Bristol uh, that refuses to serve non-Muslims. And I was like, haha, that's funny. And then it just kicked off so quick. Like, it was mad. Like, the amount of people that just believed it really quickly. And I had a day job at the time. So it was my lunch break. I was seeing all this stuff happening. Um, and it kept going and going. I mean, something lovely that happened, which was totally true. It was, I was, I was in Manchester and I was in, I went to this bakery on my lunch break and I got this chocolate gingerbread man because I love chocolate. And I took a picture of it and like said like, oh, you know, so what? You know, so what if I got this? You know, I pay my taxes. And I just played along and took a picture of it. And it just, yeah, it just kept like snowballing. And it went on for like a good few weeks, I think. And yeah, that became my first. It, it was weird. Like I, I was doing, I'd been doing stand up for, I don't know, a year or two at the time. And then I went on stage with a little book and just read out, told this story kind of like I'm telling you and and with and read some tweets out. And it just got such an amazing reaction. Yeah. And I entered that, I did that in like these new act competitions. I managed to win one of these. And then, yeah, it became my first hour-long Edinburgh show with the PowerPoint so you could see all the tweets, basically. That's all it was. It's, it's, it's kind of a beautiful example of how our society has gone beyond parody. That, yeah. that you know, some of the best, one of the best sh- shows of that year's Fringe, a lot of it was going, and then look at what this idiot said. <laughs> and yeah. kind of, and people yeah. were going to, go to Bristol and smash the place up and all sorts of yeah. threats and anger. And again, you, you, you're just playing along beautifully. And I'm a big fan, and we'll get to this on Twitch, I'm yeah. a big fan of your parody tweeting in general. The way you will construct <laughs> a sentence and misconstruct a sentence and slightly yeah. your, 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 your ability to give the illusion that you don't, fully understand the English language is just so nuanced (laughs) and so beautiful. So again, things like that were so good. And you know it's going to be a red rag to these racists. Having that slightly broken English response is going to make them all the angrier than a genuine like comedy response or whatever else. So yeah, it's beautiful to it's see. It's just funny. It's, it's just winding <laughs> people up is funny. I think my kind of, the, the sort of comedy I love most is the, the stuff that got me into like wanting to actually like write comedy and stuff was Chris Morris mm-hmm. and Armando Iannucci. So like, I think what yeah. they always, what what they have the ability to do, which you don't see a lot of really in the mainstream, I guess, is like satire but it's really stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really silly. And in, in that way, it's then exposing how stupid the thing is they're talking about, right? Yeah. So, like, it's quite, kind of funny. Like, when I was, like, maybe, like, 17, I think that's when I first thought I want to be a comedy person. 
Chris Morris's Wikipedia page said he's like the title of what he does is satirist. And so when I was that age, I thought I want to be a satirist because I want to be like him. And then it was only when I like a a bit later, I realized that's not what a satirist is. A satirist is just like, I guess, writing jokes for Have I Got News For You or whatever. You know, it's just talking about whatever's in the news. Funny cartoons. Exactly, you know, and I'm not really into any of that, you know, Private Eye and stuff. I actually bought that and like when I was 18 and looked at it and I was like, I don't... This isn't what I thought. Well, that's the beauty of it. Of Things like the day-to-day and brass eye is they confidently go to such ridiculous extremes. And I'm a big... I nerd out over this because I think it's key in comedy and in drama. The examples I often give are people like Tom Hardy or Christian Bale or whomever else. In some of their big, like, breakout roles, they will be playing drama, but they will pick the most ridiculous voice imaginable for their character but they will then d- deliver it with such confidence and authenticity. I hadn't even thought about that. that. You're then no. like, no, this is perfect. L- like Hardy and the take is going like, you right, all right, girl, yeah, just doing this, the, the, the <laughs> silliest kind of East slash South London high-pitched voice. But it's so believable because it's done with such convic- conviction and Christian Bale has done it numerous times as well. And yeah, Chris Morris is the prime example of that. On the day-to-day and brass eye, he can do the stupidest things in the world, but it's done with that absolute belief. And again, like Armando Inucci has talked about this, how hard it is, and, and Charlie Brooker, how hard it is to write satire and parody when the world is so crazy these days. Because yeah. so many new shows now feel like an episode of Brass Eye. Like, whereas Brass yeah. Eye felt so over the top, it's now, no, that feels completely believable now. It's it's not even slightly yeah. over the top. Like, you can't you can't parody Donald Trump. Like, no, really. exactly. You can't. Like, I saw this Trump's the one that him. fucked it all. Like, like that, yeah. that was the one that's like, no, this is the ultimate... Like, you can't do parody now because of Donald Trump's existence. Yeah, this, this clip of him popped up on Twitter from a few years ago. When uh, some some Christian guys are saying, they say to him, uh, they, they're interviewing him, they say, oh, you're, you're a big, you say you're a big, like, Christian, big Bible guy. Uh, they say, could you give us, like, your favorite verse or, or whatever? And he says, no, no, I don't, I don't like to talk about that. It's personal. I don't like to talk about it. And they say, are you, like, an Old Testament or New Testament guy? And he goes, uh, both, like, equal. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, clearly, yeah. he just doesn't have a clue. And it's like, that is like a sketch in itself. It's partridge picking the best of the Beatles as his favourite Beatles <laughs> yeah. album. It's exactly that. Exactly, yeah. I watched one again. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, but I popped on the other day. I can't remember why I popped on, but someone had just posted a video of him giving like an emotional speech about stuff that had gone on in, in, in Puerto Rico. And he mm. spent like a good 10, 20 seconds just enjoying pronouncing the word Puerto Rico. And he goes over it and over it again. Like It's like... This is meant to be a, and we've got great sympathy for the people in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. <laughs> and he's just doing this, you're like, this is meant to be a sympathetic speech and you're just enjoying it. Oh, isn't that a, f- a funny sounding name? It fucks up yeah. a, a, a satire. But that that appealed to you more and more, I guess, of being mm. silly and playing with that stuff. Yeah, like I say, it's just it's just my favourite humour. And then I thought with the with the cakes thing, the cake shop, that's what it was doing. It was just really, in a really stupid way, exposing prejudice, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 giving them enough rope to hang themselves because again, just some of the comments and yeah, just ridiculous. But that's all on yeah. on YouTube, and people can watch and enjoy that. Yeah. Well, let's talk on Twitch then. 
because Twitch yeah. has a crossover of this. I got into Twitch during the pandemic as a as a viewer, and the two people that kind of brought me in were Limmy and David Earl. Yeah, and both of them were were going on about how great you are. So oh, so nice. it's it's it kind of it, it it brought me over to you. Tell me about what you started doing on Twitch. Mm. And then, like, when it kicked off or what you wanted to do with it, like, did you go on thinking, here's my vision? Or were you like, oh, well, no, I, I can't mean, gig. Let's give this a go. Even at this point, like, nothing was kind of going right for me. Like like I say, so this was, you know, four years after the nomination yeah. thing. And I was like, it's not happening. Like, I keep getting any TV stuff I got near, like, they're not interested anymore. And I was like, so I didn't have a lot of confidence and stuff. Um, I wanted to do something, you know, like a lot of, I guess, creative people or just anyone just wanted to keep themselves busy over lockdown. All my gigs had obviously vanished. And I tried like Instagram live and stuff and I just didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. And Limmy was doing Twitch loads. I didn't really understand it even. And I texted him and said like, is, is it good? Should I give it a go? And he said like, he said, absolutely. He said, but don't dip your toe in like some people have. He said, absolutely go for it. And he said, um, heed first. I, I I should get that tattooed on me. Heed first. Right. Because uh, that was the best advice. So I just really like spent a week on like YouTube learning about you know, OBS and stuff is a lot to get your head around at first, isn't it? He did the same for me. He sent, I think yeah. he sent me a couple of videos of off YouTube, and I just, again, yeah. I had exactly that. I because I had a bit of a deadline on it, but because he was starting a new wipe on his his Rust server, I had a oh, week right, yeah. to get to figure out OBS to get all of this stuff that I don't understand. And again, once you understand, it's dead simple. But yeah, I completely. Exactly. I say this all the time. It it really makes me think of when I first started doing a podcast, and people are like, "Oh, I don't even, I don't even know what a podcast is." It's like, "Oh no, but you can. Like, you can know what a podcast. It's really easy. It's not complicated. Yeah. Like, it's very useful, isn't it? OBS yeah. is a very useful thing to know how to use, and it's yeah. free. Yeah, so like everyone should learn. And and then Twitch in general has exa- exactly that that people are. I don't know what Twitch is. It's like, all right, well, it's just a kind of TV except it's all live yeah. and and then it can be anything like again as 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 you've started on there loads of people in the pandemic started using it for podcasts for TV shows and for gaming which is you know what mm. it was primarily uh, made for so yeah you you yeah. kind of you you went heed first and um heed first so i just messed around on there and then i like football and i wanted to play fifa or whatever mm-hmm. just for fun and um my PC was really bad at the time, like really crap. And because uh, I didn't do any gaming on it and stuff. So I couldn't get any new games. So I managed to get hold of um, PES 5, Pro Evolution Soccer 5, which is my favorite. It was my favorite football game, like the first proper one I played yeah. when I was like 13, I think. Yeah. And um, it just occurred to me, like it just clicked that if someone, if you're on screen playing a game, it would be better to be a character kind of in the game. So, I, well, I decided I should be the manager of the club like basically right when whenever anyone plays these games they imagine they are the manager anyway like yeah, they're imagining team talks and how stuff would go Mate, in the press I remember in my peak period of Champman <laughs> yeah I'd be buying the sun to look in the sports section to scout players to see who's doing good I'd be thinking about it while I'm not playing and going oh who's doing good who's doing good who's scoring a lot it's in me. the lower leagues and things like yeah. that because it was pre-internet I guess or pre yeah mass internet so yeah it's completely and the same on FIFA and all that you are you're yeah you're the manager right you're the gaffer 
Yeah, and I couldn't believe. I really thought when I did it, I thought a lot of guys would have already done this because it's such a. It was such an obvious idea in my yeah. mind, but then it turned out no one had done it before. Mm. And so, luckily, it was that thing where it was quite unique, and people just got into it really quick. And also, there's the thing of like, it's funny. It's really silly. It's like a weird world where even like Lynchian stuff happens now. But also, there's the thing of the football team that people are invested in. Yeah. They are invested in the results. And also, this was a time when um, it, it properly peaked for me when, do you remember the Premier League season was paused because of COVID? Mm-hmm. They just paused it mid-season. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, like, the one thing it, like we had which was football, and that was gone. So then loads of people supported my team, Pez United. Yeah. And it was, the, the like, <laughs> yeah. The most ridiculous thing was we had our first cup final. It's called the D1 Cup, the FA Cup in the game. Yeah. And um, I had that stream. I had over a thousand people watch the whole thing Amazing. live. And I saw the numbers after. And I like, genuinely had to lie down because I never thought it would do anything like that. Yeah. You know, it's not like that now, obviously. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it was like it's such a like blessing the way that worked out for me. I love it because I completely remember that period. And again, it was that period was pre me getting into Twitch as a, as a yeah. viewer. So I got into like marble races on YouTube and just all sorts of stupid things that are like, I'll I'll watch this instead of the sports I'm into. But it's interesting with Pez in particular, with Pro Evo in particular, because it's almost the opposite of what we were saying with Brass Eye and the Day to Day, how that was parody or satire that now becomes almost just real. Mm. Looking back at Pez, it becomes satire and comedy in itself because it's because they didn't have the FIFA licenses that FIFA oh, had great, so you have North London Red and North London yeah, White yeah. and and all the the fake names of players that are near to yeah. them and quite like them and all that and that just adds so much. a layer of 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 comedy even like one thing that they had in that game was you could design the kits yourself. Yeah. And it was really good. I mean, it was on on the PS2. It was really good. You could just like pop some text on the kit as well, put the badge on, make a bad little Nike tick, and then put Amazing. the text on. And so my sponsor's Pepsi, but spelled P-E-P-P-S-Y. <laughs> um, and it just looks great. And it's it's just weird because it's like I was doing it when I, when I was 13. Yeah. I was making these kits and putting like sponsors on that I thought was cool and stuff and it's yeah it's it's bizarre but um yeah man i just i feel really lucky and it's been i realize now because i've been trying to you know do other stuff that gets popular hopefully yeah and it doesn't because it's like i just really hit on something there it's the perfect timing of all of it there's a nostalgia element like one of the games i've played a load of is is it wrestling empire i think it's called and it's a it's a mm-hmm. wrestling game but it's made by, by one guy so it's got that 90s type Pro Evo feel. And again, he's not got any of the licenses. So he will right. have people like called stuff like M- M- Matt Showman, which is Matt right. Showman, R- Randy oh, Savage, right. but called Matt Showman, Chris Benoit, which is Chris Benoit, and just all sorts of all, all sorts of those. And it's like that adds to the the, the, the fun for me that they're clearly going, you know who this is, but we can't say who this is. There's a cricket game that I like to stream as well that I also liked when I, around the time I was like about 13. And it, again, it's got the thing, Brian Lara Cricket mm-hmm. 2005. It's It's got the thing where it's got fake player names. And like Flintoff is called Flantiff. <laughs> it's just so funny, isn't it? It's such good <laughs> satire. And I said, I think at the time I probably didn't find it that amusing, but it's these things that you yeah. look back now and it's like, 
that was purely a functional thing and it's it's ridiculous so so just saying it out loud is yeah. so funny so to yeah. clarify f- for the listeners you started streaming and you'd yeah. be the manager you'd have a suit on yeah. you'd sit behind a desk you'd mm. have players in to give them t- talkings to you, yeah. you, you, you'd give team talks and then you'd play the actual Press games conferences and, yeah yeah um yeah so many things like um and then the amazing thing with the way the game works is like you can just have so many like the storylines create themselves a lot of the time yeah. you can you can set up your own things which i've done a lot and then like we had a game right which was and i didn't do this on purpose at all the final score was six all mm. and my goalkeeper messed up honestly like almost every single one of their goals kept messing up it was ridiculous that it kept happening and like i'm in character and i'm being furious about it but obviously in the back of my mind it's hilarious that that's happening um because then you've got a whole storyline with the goalkeepers yeah. where i'm gonna have a chat with the goalkeeper like what's up with you what's going on you know even like a game when um we absolutely dominated kept hitting the post and then we get done on the counter-attack right in the last minute it's perfect right it's a story it's it it really condenses the beauty of of football and and mm. and and the drama of it all. And as I said, I watched a load of David Earl, who was influenced a lot by us. So when he was doing his FIFA streams, he wouldn't be the manager, but he'd be the manager's assistant, yeah. and he'd make up this a manager who was a Tucker Smith. And I remember one season that he'd managed one team and it didn't didn't work out. So we were starting again. And then it was this most dramatic season where it was just losing for half the season and then the second half of the season just undefeated. Then got to the playoff finals and it was against the team he'd managed in the previous save. <laughs> it's it like you couldn't make any of that. It was just so perfect. Yeah. And this, there was a guy in his community, Amy, who um, who put together a documentary of it all. And genuinely, I remember watching the documentary back and thinking... I wish other people could experience this because it makes no sense outside of this. For everyone who's here yeah, and yeah, watching yeah. it, this is the most... I'm welling up at the documentary. He's done all the right n- n- notes of putting the music on, but this, it's too much to explain to someone who's not tuned in on all of it. So... But that's it, and that's why that's why people love football. Is like yeah. partly because of all the drama yeah. of it. Like, um, I'm a massive football fan and like... For me, it's like even I've got to have my rivals losing and stuff. I need to have things going wrong with their club. And that's a whole part of it. You know, it's like it's not enough for my team to just do well. And it's, yeah, man, so much drama. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. So off the back of that, you just chose something that you would enjoy. Mm -hmm. How much did that fuck up your head when that came to an end? Because you've then got to pick something else to play and do. But you're going to be aware that you struck gold with that. So do you start managing? Yeah, yeah. Or you stream other things as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do other stuff. Um, it's always interesting with Twitch, like, because there's certain games, I guess you would have found this, there's certain things you stream which are just not as popular. Yeah. Like, I really like the Far Cry games. Yeah. I find them, re- they're really stupid. I find them really fun. But when I stream those, like, nobody cares. Well, that was no one wants it. The thing on this wrestling game I did, I did a series on that, and I save all the VODs and that so people can go back. Yeah. Again, I've got this illusion that anyone's going to want to go back and watch 30 hours of this storyline of, of this wrestling game. They but, do, though. Yeah, it's weird. But um, do. I remember that was one of the ones I enjoyed the most. And there was a point, I mean, I have stopped doing it now, I guess, but it was a point I almost stopped because I was like, it's not getting the viewers. But it's like, mm. but I'm enjoying it. So I yeah. should do that, right? Rather than go not enjoy something as much that's going to get more viewers in. But it's a balance. It's hard, man. It's it's always hard when something drops off a bit, isn't mm. it? Like for me, like 
going from having the peak of a thousand, over a thousand people watching it live, which I still can't believe, to now like it's like just over a hundred or maybe max two hundred that will watch it live, yeah. and it's it is hard if you look over your Twitch stats, which you can do, and you see the difference in like the bar chart. It's yeah, it, I've not opened yeah. up my Twitch. Stats, yeah, I can. <laughs> I think it'd, it'd break my little heart. Yeah, this isn't of relevance to anyone else, but you've told me a little bit about it in our main interactions is me commenting in your chat. So it's not the best way yeah. to actually have discussions, but tell me a bit about the latest Hitman game. Cause I was proper oh, into the Hitman games, like the original two. I proper loved them. Don't think I've played yeah. any since, but I, I oh. tuned in and saw you playing one and you, and you were saying yeah. it's really fucking. you got to do it. Yeah. Okay. So basically, well, what you got to do first is you got to get the latest Hitman and just play through all the game first, mm-hmm. I think just to get, you know, used to it. And then this new one is called Freelancer. The thing about Hitman is the levels are so massive. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't believe it's the same level sometimes because there's so many parts to it. And then there's, like, kitchens. And then, like, there's even this level where it's really cool. You go through, you can actually follow a chef, right, who's, I guess, not really a chef. They put this code in. They go through this back, this secret door. And then there's all this, like, secret, like, weird military bit yeah. which you can go into. It's absolutely mad. so freelancer is it gives you like a certain amount of targets like three different uh locations and all these targets and then on the when you've taken them all out on the final one you've got to bring down the syndicate so there's like four people it potentially is and you can either go through you can either kill all of them which is like risky or you can like try and figure out who it is or you can do a thing where if you kill one you get you get their phone and you can set a meeting point for the rest of them to come to. Amazing. And then you can take them all out. But then also, they've usually got assassin, like um, bodyguards with yeah. them who've got silent pistols who just headshot you immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, there's just so many things. And like, I, I just it. think it's the perfect game to stream because everyone does it their own way. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, because I'm not patient. So I'll try and be like all stealthy and then I just won't. I'll just like shoot everyone if you I see, can. You see, I'm, I'm st- st- stealthy because I'm not good. <laughs> So it's like yeah. if I go in and get in a ruck, I'm not good. good. I'm I'm all right at shooting in games, but I I much prefer to be a long way away with a mm. sniper rifle or sure. or sneaking up. Well, it's on not someone. designed for that either. Yeah. Like you're not supposed to get into a shootout, really. Yeah. Um, so it's a little it's a little realistic in that way. Yeah, there's just so much, man. And then the certain the costumes you put on to get into certain places, all of that stuff. I just love it so much, man. It's 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 such a. I think it's brilliant. The freelancer one in particular. Yeah. Um, because it's infinite, right? They just keep making these new little levels, and it gets harder as you go, and it gets really hard. Yeah. And I think it's a great. I could watch anyone play that game. I like stuff that's got a bit of openness like that. That's not just here's the story, play the story. Everyone that you yeah. watch playing it is going to play it in the same way. Here's how you yeah. get through. It's why it's. I tend to choose games at the moment that I can just hop into on a whim because of my schedule at the moment. Kind of thing. It's like sure. I've not got, but I I have been thinking that as Christmas comes up, and you know how all the entertainment industries have the yeah. longest Christmas breaks imaginable. I'm thinking that could be the time to pick something to to proper work through. So maybe it's Hitman. I love it. Um, well, yeah, definitely, man. Another thing I want to talk to you about is podcasting, um, because yeah. I came on your podcast, got a problem, mate, mm-hmm. with the hilarious Joey Page. Yeah. How did that come about, and how are you finding it? Because you guys have got like a slick studio and all sorts. It's uh, yeah, it's good. 
Yeah, cheers. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, like we wanted to do something for a while and uh, the people at the company that, that I do it with, I was talking to them for a bit and then it's, you know, it's just an excuse for me and Joey to mess around really with a guest. Yeah. But what we're trying to do, because so many comedy podcasts have just other comedians on and obviously for the most part, it's other comics, that's who we know. But we're trying to get, you know, people like yourself and like we had a food critic on. Uh, I want to get film directors on. Yeah. I'm even, I might even be getting someone from... Um, the reality show Married at First Sight, oh, wow. which I don't know if you know about that, but I'd love to talk to someone about how that world works yeah. and like, you know, how much of it is real and there's so much, right? So just stuff we're interested in and, um, you know, like, yeah, so we got um, we got the camera set up as well. We're very lucky. We've got a great team that help us and we're putting it, like, since we started, we put them out every single week. So it's like, yeah. it's not massive yet, but I'm hoping it's sort of building slowly and then in a, in a sort of year or two, if it's like, if it has a big audience, that would massively help mine and Joey's careers as well, like in terms of selling tickets and stuff. Yeah. So it's it's that really. It's like you you kind of got to do it. It is saturated though, man. It's really interesting though, because I think like it's the way you make it all work because Twitch is a prime example of that. Like a, a B. Dolan, who I've mentioned a few times, I think, is a good friend of mine, a rapper I've known for years. He got into Twitch before me, but then he's got into our little community and all that kind of thing. He came over and toured for the first time since the pandemic and since he had this big spinal surgery. Yeah. And there was a markable increase in ticket sales that was Twitch-based, Twitch you know. Wow. It had made a difference. And it's finding those things that you do in the pandemic or, or whenever to, to, to keep making ends meet because... All of these industries, the money's being ripped out of them or the money that goes to the artists is being ripped out of them. So again, I think it's always good to find these examples of ways that you can do something to bring a little bit of money in at the time, but that will also go on to inform your actual mm -hmm. job, your day job, will influence a ticket sales or whatever else. And what I think is key at the moment on podcasting is you do kind of need a, a format these days. Because yeah. there's so many interview podcasts. Like I started this just over nine years ago, and it was like, oh, just interview people. It's yeah. simple. I don't need anything more than that. But there's been a lot of interview podcasts since then. So, but, but what I like about you and what I like about like Cuddle Clubs, a prime example of this, is you've got your format, but yeah. you're more than happy to just throw it in the bin or loosely follow it you realize that the format is there to help you not restrict you exactly yeah i mean i some my favorite podcasts are always i like i like a lot i like ones like yours adam buxton's where it is just getting interesting people in and chatting and then i also like when it's like friends yeah. who are just kind of messing around yeah who like know each other really well and so it, I, there are some podcasts that i do feel like get restricted by a format where yeah. it's like and now we're doing this and now this and it's like no i like it to be loose so we're trying to like, yeah, I guess have both of that. I mean, yeah, it does help. Like, it's just an extra thing. Like, I, I don't care about the format, but Joey does. Yeah. And that's a thing to argue about. That's the perfect combination, isn't it? I'm sorry, I've got a cat playing with a bag. <laughs> so good. She's so, she's really wants the attention. Do you like cats? I do. I do. I'm a cat yeah. fan. I, I, I would say if I had to choose, I'm a dog guy. But sure. I've grown up with cats. Mm. I've, I've not got, you know, I've not got a bad word to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's yeah. got a problem with cats and they can can come and talk to me all right because yeah ain't having it 
you know, I'm hoping like, even if I managed to get like a TV thing or something, then that would make the podcast grow and then the Twitch audience grow and then ticket sales. And it's like, and then you're making a bit more money everywhere as well. That's the plan. Because right, you know, the cost of living and everything. Yeah. I mean, the cost of coconut milk. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> the cost of everything is is sh- shocking. It's out- out- yeah, outrageous. Man. I just got married as well. And it's like, it just, it feels really tough. So yeah, I'm hoping some things will click. Yeah. How are you finding that married life? Because it's it's again, yeah. it's a mad time. There's there's loads mm. of pressures, and you're in like three or four really un, unreliable industries. Yeah, <laughs> like Twitch, comedy, <laughs> podcasting, acting. If you were to list the ones that you know, it's hard to get insur- insur- insurance when you're in those industries. They're all they're all on there. So yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And like, it's been really tough this year because like, um, my wife's got um, endometriosis, which is a thing that a lot of women suffer from, Mm -hmm. which men don't know anything about because nobody cares, right? So, you know, everyone should like Google it. Um, So she has these pain flare-ups. So she had to like leave her job as well and change, well, she had to change to part-time and that's put a lot of pressure on us as well. And it's just been, and you know, I I want like, I guess, I don't know if it's old-fashioned, but I want to be in a position where I'm providing yeah yeah and she yeah. can kind of you know have a big break from work if she wants or do whatever and so it's been yeah it's been bad this year man it's 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 felt really bad I've, ha- I've had a couple of things like i got an acting job this year i can say like there's a sitcom uh cat sadler wrote called such brave girls which is out yes. soon um and i'm allowed to say and I, I i oh no i won't i guess i won't say what i play in it but it's quite a cool little part i'm excited to, to see that weirdly i've just been s- s- sent preview links <laughs> of it from the PR oh, cool. people. And I was, yeah, I've been reading about it recently. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I got that little job. And as you know, like acting can pay quite well. I just did a little corporate gig, which was horrible and ruined my confidence, but I got good money. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I had these these couple of things that helped, but it's like, yeah, it's just been bad, mad. Like, because um, I, I was used to more things happening. Yeah. I guess more like things that would pay quite well. And it just slowed down. It's just like, I just wasn't getting anything for a while. And it just felt like, I had to keep telling my wife, like, it, things will happen. It'll be fine. But it's just, it's been a little bit scary. So, um, yeah, I hope that, I, I feel like I'm being sensible and doing the right things. And I hope that if, if things could take off for me, it'd be quite nice, you know? Yeah, that'd be handy, right? Yeah. I want to quickly yeah. loop back j- just for the, the listener to endometriosis. Because as, as said, yes, people should go and read up on it, but they fucking won't. I did a podcast <laughs> on it with my mate Amy Ballman. And I can't okay. remember if it was on Distraction Pieces or on her podcast, Mum and Mama. I think it was on Mum and Mama, which is her podcast. So go while you're listening now, search Mum and Mama Scroobius Pip and there'll be an episode on that subject. Because, yeah, you're right, there's so many things. And she was even like, she got it and was like, why didn't I know anything about this? And then spoke yeah. to other mates who'd gone through it, had it, all these things. She's like, why aren't I more clued up on this? Um, mm. And then when, she, in fact, when she, she got it, I was talking to my mum. My mum was like, oh, you know, I had that at one point and had a mild version of it. But again, there's these things that are so common, yeah. but just not known about because it's women who get them. It's it's, exactly. it's how medicine was for so long and hopefully it's changing now. But there's so, it's still a long way off. There's so much stuff that because it was a women's thing, it's just not talked about or not, it wasn't researched enough, all sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
I'm going to just move this bag away from the cat, all right? You go ahead. One sec, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think ahead. I'm worried it is going to pick up on the thing. You go ahead, you go ahead. One sec. Oh, you got her. Okay, thank you. She's going to scratch on the door. Like, I don't know. Can you play with her? Yeah. I just, she's, just a bit longer. She doesn't like being shut out. That's the problem. She wants to know what you're doing. She wants the option. You can leave that in if you want. I yeah, don't know if you if you got that conversation. No, yeah, that's gold. But yeah, no, no, it's been terrible. And, and to explain to people what it's like, basically, even like ibuprofen or whatever, it helps a little bit. The main thing that helps her out when she has a pain flare up is hot water bottle mm. that she just puts like on a sort of you know chest between her legs, and that will help. Uh, so sometimes if people that watch me on Twitch when I'm streaming, if I do a be right back screen, it might be because I've gone to fill a hot water bottle because I've got a text because mm. it's really bad. And yeah, the NHS, obviously, you know, horrible right now, trying to get anything done. Yeah. They're overwhelmed. So it's just been, yeah, it's been a bit of a nightmare. But, you know, I guess everyone, every sort of married couple goes through difficult times, you know. Yeah, of course. And it's it's such a tough one because of the lack of, of help and guidance. I know my mate Amy felt like she, she had to kind of go through it for ages before... The NHS said, all right, well, we'll do this. And then even then, it was a waiting list for a long time. She's just recovered from a big operation. Um, Okay, yeah. All all relating to it all, but it was ages. But yeah, you could get in your own head about it, but it does often feel like it's the NHS going, oh, it's women's stuff. It's the cliche. It's women's stuff. You'll be all right. Well, let's see Mm. how it goes. It's like, and and my mate Amy's a single mum, so she was like, She's had flare-ups that have meant she has to go into hospital. And it's like, I've got two kids. I can't have just random, I have to go to hospital because what do I do with my kids kind of thing? And I think that that was the the only reason she got some kind of response. Like, it still took ages, I said. But yeah, it's messed up, man. Yeah, and obviously going private is like, obviously stupidly expensive. Yeah. I've looked into that. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully, you know, things will get better. I just want to quickly say as well be angry at the Tories not the NHS because the NHS is a godsend but it's fucking stretched at the moment I've got Mm. a mate who's got a fucking brain infection who's on like a year long waiting list to get seen I have never even heard of that because they're too busy and it's 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 like that's not the NHS's fault that's the Tories fault so anyway but we can move on from this I want to end by talking a little bit about acting like, yeah. how do you find it? How do you feel about it? Because always, oh, it always amuses me when people who I consider normal <laughs> are stepping into those worlds. Because I, I, I step into that world and I adore it. I love it. I yeah. can see how silly it is, but I adore yeah. it. Can't remember, no, I was talking to Josh Weller recently and I was asking him, because Josh Weller is really someone that sees the ridiculousness in the world. And I was like, oh, wow, he's moving into acting now. I was like, there's so much for you to see. And I wanted to check if it makes him angry, if it amuses him, if it puts him off. I said, for me, I'm one that goes and goes, I fucking adore this. I want to observe all of it and take it all in. What is your relationship with acting as an industry and as a job? Well, like at first, I'm really lucky, right? So my management, they're a massive company that look after me and they they have like acting. It's just one of the things you can do if you want. If they, yeah. they can get you auditions if you'd like and you get they put you on spotlight and all of that stuff. You still have to pay for it, but you know. And like at first, I was like really half-heartedly doing it, like just reading the lines, you know, not really. I don't know. I, I think it was a... I think it was a bit of an imposter syndrome thing where it yeah. felt like I'm not, this isn't, but I'll give it a go. Yeah. And then now it's like... It's dumb that I was doing that because I love act. I love actors. What well, sort of? I love like um. 
I love movies. Like, I'm a massive film fan. I yeah. want to get into all of that as well. You know, we've talked about that, haven't we? Yeah. And it was one thing that I um, I was watching. Uh, so I watched Succession. I love it. And I saw this Brian Cox interview where he said it was something like, there's no such thing as small parts, only less lines. Right, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've never looked at it like that. Whenever I audition, it's like a guy who's saying two things. I just think, all right, well, it doesn't really matter. But now it's like I take it a lot more seriously. I'm like, no, that is, of course, that's very important. So like now I've really put the work in and like this little acting job I got on Such Brave Girls, that's more lines than I've ever had in anything like professional. Like I think I had like 11 lines. Yeah. Um, in a scene which is a lot like yeah, to learn yeah, yeah, like, yeah. if you're not used to it, yeah, it really is. Um, so yeah take it very seriously I, I'd love to um, I'd love to be in some serious stuff I imagine um, I imagine that'd be really fun yeah yeah. being in like a serious drama yeah um, as great as sitcoms and things are um, I mean even like it's weird man even though like that film Last Christmas you mentioned even though I'm in it for seconds I'm in three scenes for like I don't know less than a minute whatever but just being part of that is absolutely mad. The level of production on it. I've taken into acting the same view I took into working in HMV, right? <laughs> yeah. If I've got to be there, and this is kind of, again, I hate to say this because it's what the Tories want, but my my thought is if I've got to be there for eight hours, if I'm working, it's more interesting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If I'm, if I, if I'm busy myself, it goes quicker, it's more interesting. And I feel that with small roles. It's like, cool. Well, I'm only on for a couple of days, but it's really fun to find the character and do your research and really build a character rather than just turn up and have two days of, of, of saying your lines. Really yeah. find that character. And again, the simple thing I always talk about is everyone is the lead character from their perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know that when you're on a bus and you've got some music on headphones you're in a film. You're in a film scene and it's all dramatic. You're just a dude sitting on a bus. There's nothing going on there. But because of music, because of this, it's this big dramatic thing. And I think that's yeah. key in, in acting because your character hasn't only got a couple of lines mm. in this. It's got a that's life. part of their, yeah, there's so much more going yeah. on. They've said a couple of lines in that moment, but there's there's loads there. And yeah, yeah I just think it's far more interesting to kind of play about with that. I guess it's okay to say because uh, they're promoting the show. But in in this thing, I play a vicar. Yeah, and um, I even went on YouTube and like looked up stuff about vicars and and even how you become a vicar. Love it. And like loads of stuff and like like talks and stuff just to see like what what they would be like so I could do my best possible job. And it's like, yeah, it's good, man. It's good to take something seriously like that. And um, like I never used to even think about yeah who the guy is. I just thought, well, it's a lion in a thing. Oh, this is just us nerding out now. But, yeah. But one of the best things I got from an acting class I did was um, a t a taking your character for a walk. And it sounds yeah. so stupid, but just going out for a walk and in your mind being in character and being that character. And it's so amazing what you realise and what you get. Because you're trying to... Uh, 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 this was a movement class and it's the, the thing they're trying to train is that Scroobius Pip has a load of mannerisms and natural small things, the way he stands or sits, that you might not want your character to have. So we need to try and get the movement and natural things out. And I remember us, us doing this thing in Canada and the guy I was playing was ex-forces. And this was during the pandemic. So I'd done so much walking around the small area my Airbnb was in because it's in isolation. And the one night I'd put a playlist together for this dude the one night I walked around as him I swear the whole block just looked completely 
are different. Because I was standing more upright, because I was looking about for any threats, all sorts of dumb stuff like that that speaking to mates of mine who are ex-services and that would say they always do. And of things I've witnessed them do, that when they're in a room subconsciously, they're still doing the cliche of scanning the room and checking for the exits and all that. Going for like a 30-minute, hour-long walk in character just... I was like, man, I've learned so much and all I've done is... No one around me knows, but That's really cool, I've yeah. really enjoyed that. And again, I try and do that with as many characters as I can. And as you say, it is kind of tough when you've got a tiny role. I've mainly had tiny roles. but yeah. So it can be tough to kind of... You can easily get self-conscious, the imposter syndrome thing and go, am I overdoing this? Mm-hmm. Am I being a prick here? I'm, I'm doing like a week's work for my one line. But yeah, f- fuck it, enjoy it. You've yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. you've got that it. gig, so enjoy it and um and have yeah. fun. Yeah, and I and I just I appreciate whenever I get an acting job, the way that you're treated. Yeah, when you're like picked up from your house or whatever, yeah, given food, just every have your little trailer. Yeah, hair and makeup and stuff. It's like compared to stand up, where sometimes you're treated quite badly. <laughs> Mate, compared to a, a tour musician type <laughs> business, where it's just. Sh- shitholes and you're, you're lugging all your gear in yourself and all this yeah I completely agree it's an absolute treat again I remember that gig during the pandemic because the pandemic had hit we weren't allowed to touch the handles on the doors of our cars oh. so the driver had to pull up to drop us off get out walk around and open the door for you that was the hardest thing in the world for for me because I felt like such a wanker every time it'd be like <laughs> no I'll just let myself out like I, I, he's like no you you literally can't I'm like I don't I don't want to sit here even though it's just a few s- s- seconds I don't want to sit yeah. here and wait for you to walk round the car or van or whatever it is and open weird, the door for me yeah. but yeah. yeah weird if you're not used to it yeah it's mad well I'm excited for all that's ahead man I'm excited for all the things you do on Twitch. I'm excited for more stand-up. As I said, I've caught two of your shows and I've really enjoyed them both. I didn't catch the one. I wanted to talk about it, but we should kind of wrap mm. things up. I didn't catch the one that was about working in a nursing home. Care home. A yeah. care home. That sounded amazing. I remember th- 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 that feeling like it had a, a lot of hype at the Fringe th- mm. that year. So I'm excited for all that's ahead there. And now I'm just even more excited for all that's ahead in in the acting world. Because it is weird, because you never know with people. Because one of the things I say all the time I love about this world is most of it goes on behind the scenes. So Mm -hmm. you you could be auditioning constantly and not getting stuff, or you could not really care and just not be, you know, if a gig comes in, you do it. So I'm always excited when someone's like, no, no, I'm into it. Like, this is dope. I really like it. This is good Oh, I do my absolute best now. I didn't used to. I really try hard and take my time over it and learn it all properly as well, the best I can. I didn't used to do that. Yeah, I think it's such a great opportunity. Yeah. You know. It's mad, isn't it? It's a fun playground. Mm. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to let you go and give your your wife and cat the appropriate (laughs) amount of attention. It's up to you how you divide that attention. Um, That's none of my business. But um, is there anything ahead that you want to plug or where can people... find you any of that kind of thing 
Uh, yeah, so the Twitch is Zaffa Cakes, Z-A-F-A-R Cakes, and that's all my social media. I've got the Cakes show online. The 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 Care Home show is called Care. That's available on Go Faster Stripe. Oh, really? Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so I, I have like a link tree. I guess people can find that on. So that's yeah. like a fiver, I think. Um, and also I'll probably, well, no, I am going to tour my latest show, the one you saw, mm-hmm. Imposter. I'm going to tour that around the UK like in like May, I think. Yeah. May next year is the plan. So please keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and I'm just going to keep doing this stuff. I mean, I really want to get into like making movies eventually. Yeah. Which I know you're interested in, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. That's where I'd, I'd like my career to go, I think, because I just think films are the best thing in the world. I mean, we've uh, we've not touched upon your um, your killer interviews oh, right, on YouTube yeah. that are fantastic little mini films. Yeah. So yeah, I recommend people go and, and check. I've got loads out, of stuff. Because it's basically yeah. you interviewing... Is it mainly improvised? So it'll be yeah. comedians who are p- 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 pretending to be a serial killer and you're interviewing mm-hmm. them about, about their crime and yeah. Yeah, because I saw a thing on Netflix, I think it was Netflix, where Piers Morgan was interviewing serial killers and yeah. I watched it and I was like, what? what's the point of this? Yeah, It felt like there's no point other than, than them <laughs> yeah. to just brag about their crimes a bit. Yeah. So I just thought it was a funny little concept. But yeah, we just improvised through that together very quick. Got another one called The Acting School, which... Um, You'd probably prefer that, where I'm an acting coach. Amazing. But I'm awful at acting in it. So yeah, I'd, I make a bunch of little things that people might like online. I love it. And well the podcast is called Got a Problem, Mate, and that's oh, available yeah. <laughs> in all the usual places as well. And again, yeah. that's on, on YouTube as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've yeah. had some great guests on that. I love the one with Stevie Martin, who I'm yeah. kind of obsessed with. I've, I've, I've never caught a Stevie Martin stand-up show, but everything... Mm-hmm. That, oh, that, oh, that they do slays me. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. She's really good, yeah. Some great stuff. Well, thank you, man. It's been a pleasure and we'll talk soon. Lovely, yeah. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I told you Bilal was a good guy. I really enjoyed that. He's wonderful. As I said, there's going to be a, b- a bonus episode on Friday. I'm joined by William Oldroyd, the director of, of Lady Macbeth, to talk about that, talk about working with Florence Pugh and Cosmo Jarvis, and to talk about Eileen, his new film with um, Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway and numerous other amazing people. So there you go, a little bonus. I've got a few bonuses as Christmas is coming. I just want to, basically, I know at this time of year, loads of podcasts go on a hiatus. So I'm just going to fill your, your your feeds with podcasts. Obviously, it's almost drunk cast season. We are recording that soon. And then we'll get to the films of the year episode. It's a tough one this year. There's been so many films I've loved. But we'll get to all of that. So I'll see you on Friday. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.